Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Please find John chapter 4. We'll start in verse 4 in a few moments, John 4, 4. And it may assist you to find this piece of paper entitled, Living Water for a Thirsty Friend. Living Water for a Thirsty Friend. Heard a funny story about communication. Evidently, there was an archaeologist in New York who dug down 10 feet, found an extensive network of copper wiring, and concluded that this meant 100 years ago in New York, they had an advanced communication system. Well, not to be outdone, the friends in California, they heard about this, and outside of L.A., they dug down 20 feet, and they found a huge network of copper wiring, and they concluded that 200 years ago, Californians had an extensive communication network. Well, Bubba, who lived over in Slapout, Alabama, heard about these studies. And so, not to be outdone, Bubba got out into the back of his farm, dug down 30 feet, and he discovered nothing. He therefore concluded this meant that 300 years ago, Alabama had already gone wireless. <laughs> Always ahead of the game. Well, the goal is communication, and communication is difficult, but the master communicator was Jesus, and we see him communicating his truth in a phenomenally effective way with this young lady at the well. And here's what we're going to do. Make this note. Jesus is in the business of transformation. Now, his first sign in the Gospel of John, the first sign was turning water into wine. So, what did he do? He transformed ordinary water into the sparkling refreshment of wine. You go further into the chapter, and Jesus goes to the temple, and He cleanses the temple, and He transforms that temple from being polluted to pure. Travel into John chapter 3, Nicodemus shows up at night, and what does Jesus do? He transforms this man who is focused on empty religion into a man who has a living personal relationship with his Savior. As we come to John chapter 4, we're going to see Jesus transforming a woman from an outcast to an evangelist. And the point is, if Jesus can transform these people, he can transform me, he can transform you. Well, let's plunge into the story as we come to John chapter 4. And Jesus had passed through Samaria, and He came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from His journey, was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noon. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.' For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman therefore said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered, and he said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, 
and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drink of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor have to come here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, Well, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Indeed, she was talking to God. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to clear away every distraction and come to full spiritual attention. Lord, help us to have an encounter with you like the woman at the well, an encounter that will change everything. Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way so that your spirit could be released in this place to deposit your transforming truth into every receptive heart. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take a four-stop tour of this rest station. Let's begin with number one. Jesus breaks barriers. That's the first thing that I want you to note. Jesus breaks barriers. Now, to understand this passage, to set a context and a background about it, the key element is understanding the geography of Israel. You see, in the south was Jerusalem, in the north was Galilee. Jesus was traveling from Jerusalem up to Galilee, where the Sea of Galilee is and Nazareth is located, and he had to travel through this region called Samaria. So, Jesus is going through Samaria, and there are some Jews that would not travel in it because the Samaritans were very much disliked, even despised by the Jews. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because He had an appointment there. He had an appointment with this lady that, that He had never met, but He was going to meet her and change her life. Now, I think it's interesting to look at this passage in some detail. In verse 6, it says, Jesus was tired from His journey. That's a picture of the eternal being exhausted. You know, sometimes we get this picture of Jesus as a superman, a superhero, but the Bible says He was all God, but He was also all man, and this is on display here. I mean, Jesus got tired. His feet hurt. His eyes were burning. He sweated. He was thirsty. He was hungry. He was all man. He got disappointed. He wept. Do you know why? So that he can relate to us. Maybe you're here right now and you're tired, you're exhausted. Inside you're weeping, you're hurting. Well, take consolation in knowing that, you see, Jesus experienced all of those difficulties and emotions, and so he can totally relate to you. His chief purpose is on display here. He is breaking barriers. He breaks a number of them. Uh, for instance, he breaks a barrier about race, gender, and reputation. Let me show you how he does it. The first barrier he breaks is about race. 
Now, when Jesus struck up a conversation with this woman at the well, it was highly, highly unusual for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan. And let me tell you why. In 722 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians. And when it fell, many of the people were taken into captivity and exile, but some remained behind, and they intermarried with their captives. And that was considered betrayal of the Jewish nation, a compromise. These people were considered impure. They were written off by the Jews, even to the point of despising them. And huge, thick walls of hurt and hatred, prejudice were constructed between the Jews and the Samaritans. So it was very unusual for a Jewish person to travel through Samaria and absolutely radical for a Jewish rabbi to speak to a Samaritan. I mean, this was considered out of bounds. But what is Jesus doing? He is here to smash down the walls of prejudice. So he starts by taking a whack at racism. So Jesus has come to break down the wall of racism. And then look, he's speaking to who? A woman. So Jesus shouldn't be speaking to her. She's the wrong gender. What is Jesus speaking to her for? Did you know that the Jewish rabbis were not allowed to speak even to their wives or their daughters in public? That was considered socially out of bounds and highly inappropriate and offensive, much less speaking to a strange woman that you've never met before. So what is Jesus doing? He is breaking down a gender barrier. Do you remember what it says in Galatians 3? In Galatians 3, in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. There's not even man or woman. You see, Jesus came as the great equalizer. He has come to remove these barriers. And then this woman had a horrible reputation. Most of you, if you've been in Sunday school, know that she came to the well at noontime because you generally draw water in the morning when it's cool. This is a hard, heavy job. And so she brought her water buckets, not in the morning, but at noon, because she was considered the target of all the gossip and the slander. She had been socially rejected because of her moral behavior. She'd been married five times. She was living with a guy. She was evidently a person known for, social, for sexual promiscuity. So she was not a hero in the community. She was considered a reprobate and a reject. So in order to avoid the crowds, she came to get water at noonday. Now, this is what I would observe. I mean, this woman, I'm going to call her Wanda. Wanda, let me tell you why. It's an acrostic. Woman at noon avoiding attention. <laughs> Wanda, woman at noon avoiding attention. That's who she was. She was trying to lay low. So that's why she shows up at noon. She's got a bad reputation. Jesus is fully aware of it, and yet he knocks down this barrier that she felt disqualified to be connected to the things of God. Maybe I'm talking to somebody in that category right now. You see, everybody had counted Wanda out, and Jesus counted her in. If you take nothing else away, please tuck that deep into your spirit. Everybody had counted her out, and yet Jesus counted her in. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you would be saying, Jay, you don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. I'm just not worthy. Well, I want you to hear the Lord 
say, if you feel counted out, he counts you in. In the same way he counted in this woman, he sees you as his beloved, his chosen, his anointed, his appointed. You see, he wants you to be a dynamic disciple who follows him every day. He wants you to understand you're forgiven. You are set free. You are filled with Holy Spirit resurrection power. That's who you can be in Christ. So he can change you. Number two, Jesus builds a bridge. He knocks down and breaks a barrier, and then he builds a bridge. Now, this is a beautiful picture of how to build relationships with people better than Dale Carnegie or Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey. I mean, this Jesus is connecting to this woman, and he intentionally connects to her by asking her a question. Would you get me a drink? Very simple, very simple. Uh, by the way, when I was in college, I was a door-to-door book salesman for the old Southwestern Company. I know that Bobby Rudder was a book salesman. Several people told me at the first service they had sold for the Southwestern Company. I probably learned more about people and ministry by being a door-to-door book salesman in Rome, Georgia than anything else I've ever done, more than in seminary, because I knocked on 30 to 40 doors a day, and I learned a lot about rejection. And I also learned a lot about human nature. Do you know something I learned to do? When somebody came to the door and they seemed to have a scowl on their face, I would say, uh, ma'am, it's mighty hot out here in Rome, Georgia today. It's about 98. Would you mind getting me a drink of water? And invariably, that lady would go, and she would get a drink of water and come back with a smile on her face. That scowl was turned into a smile because I asked her to do something. It's a pretty good technique. Learn to ask questions. Learn to engage people. So what is Jesus doing? He is building a bridge, and he is modeling his core ethic to embrace everyone. Doesn't it seem like we're living in a day of division? Have you noticed how everybody is attacking instead of accepting each other? That seems to be the mode of our day. Well, that wasn't the mode of Jesus. Jesus embraced everyone. We're told in Romans 15 verse 7 that we should accept one another as Christ has accepted us. So Jesus' model becomes your job description. It becomes my job description to be a person who engages and accepts other people. So, how does Jesus do it? He crafts a metaphor about water. He, he tells her, I am living water. Oh, I like that metaphor. Uh, you see, he not only broke down a barrier, he was building a bridge with this picture of living water, and that he is the living water that will quench the thirst of anybody's soul. Whenever I think about this, do you know what I think of? I think of Bill Lambert and Harold Hancock and a trip that we took to Mozambique to work with Tim and Charlotte Kearley. This was just a few weeks ago that this picture was taken. No, no, I'm sorry. It was a couple of decades ago, about 20 years ago. Uh, that's me. Uh, there's Allison Alford. There's Jennifer. And uh, oh, man, what a team. We had Kristen Jones and Mary Frank Brown, Bill Lambert, Harold Hancock. And do you know what we did? We went to the Endow people, and, and that's, by the way, Victoria Falls. It's a pretty big leak right there, one of the, the largest waterfalls in the world. And uh, we then went to the Endow people outside of this village in Mozambique, in Chamoyo, Mozambique. And the people, all their children were sick constantly because they had shallow wells and they were drinking their sewage. So we drilled a well, and Bill Lambert figured out how to drill that well 
And the people watched us. They came by the hundreds. And after the well was drilled, it was my privilege to bring in the Jesus film, the very first one ever seen in the Indal language. So the resourceful Tim Kearley, the Indiana Jones of missionaries, he got his generator out, and he set up under an acacia tree a projection screen, and as the sun fell over the bush of Africa, hundreds of people came out. I don't know where they came from, but we estimated four to 500 people came out. We showed the Jesus film in their language. There had been no known believers, and that night, 20 people gave their life to Jesus. Oh, it's one of the most beautiful highlights of my life to see in my theatrical imagination these people coming, hearing the gospel. Why? Because we introduced them to living water by drilling a water well. And that's what Jesus is doing. He is crafting an analogy that, say, that says all people everywhere need the living water of Jesus to quench the thirst of their soul. Let's go to number three. The next stop is Jesus does what? He reveals her sin and his salvation. Now, here's Wanda, and uh, she is just taking all this in. And Jesus says, uh, after Wanda acknowledges she would love this perennial water source so that she would not have to come to the well, with the precision of a surgeon, Jesus says in verse 16, he says, uh, hey, hey, Wanda, why don't you go get your husband? And she quickly responds, probably with her eyes down, uh, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you've spoken correctly. You don't have a husband, but you've had five, and you're living with a guy right now. Now, why did Jesus do this? You see, he knows everything about you. Why did he bring this up? Was he trying to be cruel or dismissive? Was he trying to put her down and make her feel less than? No. You see, friends, he was trying to lead her to the point of repentance, because you can't have salvation without releasing your sin. And so he called her out for a purpose, and that purpose was so simple. He wanted her to turn from her sin and find a Savior. You see, that's the key feature of salvation. When I share Jesus with people, I use this little booklet, the ABCs of salvation. What is the A? What is it? Admit you are a sinner. Because unless you admit you're a sinner, you have no need for a Savior. That's where Jesus started with her. That's why we Underline, you've got to admit and then repent. Look on your worksheet and see Proverbs 5.1. What does the Scripture say? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. You see, Jesus knew everything about Wanda, but that did not prompt him to reject her. It prompted him to love her. You see, on display here, we have the greatest truth of all, Jesus shared it with Nicodemus in John 3, 16, that Jesus loved the world, and Jesus loved Wanda, and He loves you more than you can possibly imagine or fathom. And He is telling her, and He says it clear in verse 26, He said, Wanda, you are talking to the Messiah, the very Savior of God. So he reveals to her her sin and his salvation. And then the last one, and we're finished. Jesus moves her from outcast to evangelist. This is my favorite point. So Wanda gets it, and she believes Jesus is the Savior of the world. She receives living water, and she leaves her water pots. Now, that's an interesting thing. She leaves her water pot, and do you know what that means? That she's going to come back. 
It's evidence of the fact that she's going to come back. And may I suggest to you that people know that you have met Jesus by the evidence that you leave. Let that sink in. People know that you have met Jesus by the evidence that you leave. The evidence that you leave in your home, in your workplace, in the place where you recreate, in your school. Wherever you go, you should leave evidence that you've met Jesus. And that evidence has transformed attitudes and actions, relationships and reactions. Leave evidence behind you that you've met Jesus. Well, Wanda, her MO had been what? Avoiding people. Because she was the target of their ridicule and rejection. But she doesn't avoid people. She goes to the center of town and she starts to ring the bell. And she said, I just met the Savior. I just met the guy who knows everything about me and he is the living water and you need to meet him too. With this sense of holy boldness, she shared Jesus. And do you know what this tells me? Jesus didn't have to reach the mayor of the town to start a revival. He reached the least qualified person in the region. He reached Wanda, and she started this revival. And the entire town, the Scripture says, turns out, and they embrace Jesus because of her bold witness. You see, this is the the task. This is our calling, that we share the good news that Jesus is the living water with the people around us. Well, let me give you your final assignment. We must know, show, and grow. That's it. We must know, show, and grow. We've got to come to know Jesus in a real, in a personal way. Then we show evidence that we've been with Him by the transformation of our attitudes, our actions, our relationships, our reactions. And then we go to people in our town, in our circle of influence, and we share the good news that Jesus, the living water, is available to anyone. Well, let's pray about it. Dear Father, Oh, I thank you so much for this amazing encounter that you had at the well of Sychar. Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.